Tonight. Tonight with Lester Kivett on Cape Talk. And Hiking with Tim Lundy is brought to you by High Tech Sports. Cape Talk. Hiking with Tim Lundy. It is Thursday night, but we're actually talking to you from the past. You are listening to us on Thursday night, but we are recording on Wednesday our weekly hiking feature with Tim Lundy. So uh, we have Tim Lundy live in studio. He's coming a bit early. We are broadcasting this on a Thursday night. Still bring you your weekly hiking feature with Tim Lundy. It's we're talking from the past. In our present (laughs) right now. But of course, Tim uh, usually starts our weekly hiking feature with a rescue and safety recap. How safe have our mountains been? Have our walkways been over the last seven days? Uh, There is a cold front coming in now. So I think people should probably be steering clear of of the mountains and some of the pathways for the time being. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it has been busy from time to time. Uh, which is kind of expected this time of the year. People underestimate the weather, underestimate how much light is left. Um, I was one of those people, actually, now I think about it. On Friday night, um, I got an invitation to quickly go up the mountain, and we watched the sunset, and um, then uh, we came down the mountain, and the last, I think, 20 minutes or so was in the pitch dark. Wow. But it's fine. It's uh, yeah, Your eyes are eventually adjusted, and we had mm. torches and stuff, but... I prefer to, you know, if if you know that you're going to be finishing soon, mm. then I prefer to actually just get your eyes adjusted to the mm. dark. Um, but when you start tripping over things, then it's time to turn the lights on. <laughs> I've seen some some really amazing pictures of uh, people and the headlamps and the torches coming down. Lion's Head. I know everyone wants to have that that nighttime, particularly full moon shot, being on Lion's Head. But surely it's could be a bit dangerous with so many people coming down the mountain at that time of the night with only just a headlamp and a few torches. Well, it's funny that you should say that because on Saturday night, I then took some clients up who wanted to go and watch the sunset. And at around about five o'clock, I said, look, we need to get out of here because <laughs> I want to get the really the worst part of it done. And, you know, once you get to the back sort of the sea point side and going down to... Uh, above Camps Bay, once you hit the road and the first, what they call the first jump, then it's, it's not too bad. Mm. Um, but you don't really want to be stuck higher up without any torches mm. and stuff like that. Especially after come down the trains in, in just in very, very low light. Well, I mean, it's good, good that you say that because I'm, I'm now, um, always say to people, I give them the option, do you want to go up the chains? If you're not comfortable, then don't go up mm. the chains. But I definitely don't want to come down the chains. Coming down the chains is a lot, lot more riskier and difficult. um, And you've got the alternative route that you can take. So I then just say to people, look, let's go up the chains if if you're keen and you don't have too much of a fear of heights. And then let's change it up a little bit on the way down so that we get a a different view. And um, on Saturday night, we actually got the the sun sort of just above the horizon just before it was starting to to settle. So we got some nice pictures of the side of Lion's Head and the sunset. Uh, How much time do you actually save by going up the trains and going the alternative longer route? Look, I would say you probably seven or eight minutes at the most. 
which um, is sort of negligible if you also exactly. want to, you know, stop a little bit taking the scenery, especially on that yeah. side, looking over onto onto, onto Table Mountain. Maybe is yeah. eight, eight seven minutes is, is pretty negligible. Rather be safe and just well, go take the long So there's, there's talk at the moment of um, sand parks, and I don't know how true this is because I haven't had the conversation with them, but I'm, I hope that it is true that they are maybe considering trying to make the path on the way up that you can only take the chains on the way up and then take the the alternative route which is a more recommended route because it is g- generally a lot safer um than than that and even when i was there on saturday night the or in the afternoon the the queues waiting to try and get up and down those chains and it you know i eventually i think i get a little bit Bolshy with my my little badge that says my name on it and it's a tour guide badge and because it it kind of gives you a little bit of authority to say to people look please just wait there we've got twenty people down here and there are two of you up there just the two please just wait and let at least ten of us through because otherwise this queue is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and people then start becoming impatient and of course want to divert and push past I had one person push past me which yeah I just gosh. It wasn't very friendly to them. It is Thursday night, but we are recording this on a Wednesday. It is a weekly hiking feature with Tim Lundy. Tim Lundy is actually, uh, unfortunately, busy this Thursday. So we thought, let's just pre-record it just this week so we can still bring you hiking and uh, at the same time giving uh, Tim a break for the week. We are talking about uh, what we're focusing on this week is the Chapman's Peak Contour Path. It's a, It's a Part of the city where I used to go quite a lot, particularly yeah. when I was younger. My, my my father was a keen Sunday take go for a Sunday drive. Yes. Uh, nowadays, I don't go round to Hout Bay, Chapman's Peak, nor took uh, that much. Tell us a bit more about the Chapman's Peak contour path. Yeah, so you you basically start at um, there's a, the the checkout point, which is now known as the check the checkpoint where you if you come from the Hout Bay side where the toll booth is. Mm. You will get to the the checkpoint um, where they will check your ticket, and they will decide whether a you've paid and you can carry on to Nordic, or you've got a day pass, which is what I get, and then you must park or turn around and go back. So with this particular walk, we then we pull over at that that, and that's where the hike starts. And um, I, I there's two ways of doing it. You can either do it from the Harpe side and and walk through to to that point, or you can do it in reverse um, and do it the other way. The reason I do it from sort of Chapman's Peak Drive back to Hart Bay is because the views are just so much nicer. Mm. So you so you are you hiking above the road uh, yeah. and, and sort of down all the way down to, to Hart Bay? Absolutely. So I'm um, not all the way down to Hart Bay. You're still on Chapman's Peak ah. um, down to an area called East Fort. Uh, talking about the word fort is something that just popped into my into my mind. That that part of the city is is filled with with history. Whether it is oh, old yeah. cannons, whether it is you know old barracks, uh, abandoned buildings, lots and lots of historical value in that in that space. Well, the the, the barracks obviously are are the ruins from from the Dutch East India Company, but below that is the World War Two. Barracks that they had mm. with, and they've they've restored the cannons there. I think there's about ten of them, mm. and they've actually got one or two that they've actually cleaned up to the point where they. A friend of mine's father is actually the um, the guy in charge of firing the gun, mm. so they've actually um, 
you know, they've looked after those guns, they've they've rehabilitated them, and they've actually got it to the point where they can actually fire it. So on special occasions, they do get permission to actually fire the cannon. And um, if you've ever been to the um, noon gun, um, you'll know what it's like standing around a cannon when that thing fires <laughs> off. <laughs> you know it's coming, but it, it's, your body will jump no matter what. It's just one of those things. In my mind's eye, the, from what you're explaining and how I'm picturing it and how I know uh, that part of the world, it seems as if it could be quite of a, a gentle walk. Am, am I correct or am I being fooled into the yeah. into a false sense of security? I think the thing with it is that initially the climb up and the climb down are quite... Um, quite tough mm. but once you're on the contour itself then it then it's easy mm. it's trying to get up to that contour that that um mm. can sort of but once if you can get over that and then you can get down the downhill mm. and the downhill in sections is quite steep mm. so th- the reason i chose this particular walk for tonight was for the fact that we've got all this rain coming i was sort of watching all the rain clouds and and you know you always look up at kirstenbosch and you can see those big waterfalls coming down and the contour path on Chapman's Peak is, you know, when we've had heavy rain, mm. I will drop everything and go there because the amount of waterfalls wow. that you get there are spectacular. Some of them you've actually got to go straight through the waterfall because it's falling onto the path. You don't have a choice. That's spectacular. Um, so how high does it actually go? I know that we used to do a path, uh, Constantia, Constantiaburg, and go all the way around looking down onto Hout Bay. It's quite high from up there. Just how far, how high are you getting up? So this, on, this on, is on path? probably about half the height of that path. Um, so if you're looking at Chapman's Peak Drive and you're looking at the top of the mountain, this path is Probably more or less in the middle mm. somewhere that it that it and it is pretty much following mm. the contour most of the way. Mm. Uh, that's still quite high. So yeah. if you have issue with heights, uh, especially on, on that particular path, is it yeah. quite narrow? Maybe walking on some some steep ledges. Is that the issue? I think if you've got a very severe fear of heights, um, then it is definitely um, something that you've got to watch out for. Um, a friend of mine, Jamie Pyatt, um, he he has a quite a serious fear of heights. And he he can do it, and he he loves to do it. But he he does admit that it does take a bit mm. bit of um, uh, coaxing to get him get him across that path. What is the best strategy if you are a keen hiker but have a bit of a fear of heights? Uh, you're walking maybe on a bit of a narrow ledge, nothing, you know, too mm. too tricky. Um, but how do you then overcome that? Is it about just sort of having a Pin focus on the horizon straight ahead of you, or should you actually be watching where you're placing your feet? You don't want to step on a rock and, you know, lose your footing. Look, I find often, and I do have this quite from time to time, where people have failed to tell me that they have a fear of heights, and then they do, um, or they discover that they have a fear of heights (laughs) that they didn't know they had. Um, So you, what I normally do is I just talk to them very calmly, and I try and get them to focus on my voice. And try and get them to not focus so much on the fact that they're walking on a path or that there's a big steep drop next to them. Uh, it, it, it is quite tricky for them and it, it and it's a, it's a mind game that they've got to really play. I just try and keep them calm because what can happen with that kind of fear is that it escalates mm. and, and they start to panic and that's re- you don't want to go there because then it, then it really becomes very difficult. The worse they get, the harder it is to bring them back. So I often walk with a rope as well, and I often say to people as well, if they feel a little bit more comfortable, I will then either tie the the rope around their waist Mm -hmm. um, or 
they can hang on to the rope. Mm. And it's more of a feeling secure kind of thing mm. that they feel like they've got something to hold on to. Yeah. Um, as I'm getting older, I'm finding if I walk too close to an edge, my legs start to shake and I start to get this sort of tingly feeling in my legs yeah. and I really don't like it. Um, I think mainly because I've, I've seen so many things happen from when people have fallen from height and, but if you tie me in, if I've got a harness on and I've got a rope, I'll hang off the ice cliff you want me to hang off. But isn't it weird if you are, for example, walking on a balance beam that is, say, 50 centimeters off, um, off, off the, the ground. ground. You, you can walk with it. You can even dance on it and there's no problem. As soon as you take that, uh, that, that same balance beam, maybe take it up to about a meter and a half yeah. <laughs> or maybe two meters. Then your mind acts differently. Exactly. Because your mind knows that there's 50 centimeters and a meter and a half. <laughs> and that when you fall 50 centimeters, you're not going to hurt yourself. Not nearly as badly as you're going to hurt from a meter and a half. <laughs> and so it's, it's one of those things that my father always used to say that, and I think it's easier to say it than it is actually to do it, is you would say walking, walking on a steep path or having a big drop off next to you mm. is like walking in the, on a pavement. Just don't step into the road. <laughs> but again, the, the road's only about 20 centimeters away from you. So it's, it, it's a different uh, kettle of fish. Look, I, I believe I've, I've weak ankles. I, I, I twist my ankle on the smallest of little <laughs> obstacles. So I've, I've fallen into the road off a sidewalk already just by, <laughs> by walking on a stone or a little bottle top. We are speaking to Tim Lundy. It is Thursday night. It is our weekly uh, hiking feature brought to you by High Tech. We are pre-recording this, in, this conversation on Wednesday and broadcasting it to you on Thursday night. We are focusing on the Chapman's Peak contour path. Uh, Tim giving us some detail about this walk. My, my issue with that part of the world, uh, Tim, is the issue of uh, personal safety. I have um, heard of issues regarding uh, um, the areas round about Sandy Bay. I know that uh, Newark area has issue with with crime and safety. Yeah. What about this particular walk? Look, they have near East Fort. There have been one or two cases. There hasn't been for quite some time. Uh, there are. Yeah, I think wherever we go nowadays, we just have to be a little bit more vigilant and, and, and walk in groups and, and just be aware of what, what you're doing and where you're going. And, and don't try and not make yourself a target. Mm. I think a lot of the time these guys will be in the bush waiting and will let a whole bunch of people walk past because they just don't feel mm. it's the time that they, they're going to get mm. you, you know, it's elements of surprise and, yeah. To, to, to put it as flippantly as this, I think the best form of car security is make your car look less attractive than the next yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's essentially how you prevent yourself from being a target. It's not walking with any flashy equipment, not exactly. necessarily walking with a camera around your neck or constantly checking your phone while you're on a particular route. Well, it's, it's good that you brought this up as well because some people don't like to park at East Fort um, for that very reason. And so what you can actually do is drive to the end and then when you get to the bottom, order an Uber, mm. takes you up. And it, it really is not that expensive to take the Uber. It's worth versus a, a broken window. Mm. And so you take the Uber, just make sure the Uber driver does get his mm. his day pass because <laughs> otherwise it's going to cost him a fortune to go back because I think it's now something like 48 Rand wow. each way.
Uh, so, so would you have to buy a day pass to 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 access that? So a day, a day pass, you basically you just ask for the day pass, mm. and they will give you. Interlini will give you the day pass at at the at the concession at the, stand. At the, yeah, at the at the toll booth. And then when you get to the checkpoint, that's what they're looking for. They're mm. trying to look to see whether you got a day pass. If you have, you must turn around and go back. Mm. The reason for that was for this very reason, for allowing access still to the mountain, because mm. they're not allowed to stop us from, from using mm. them. They would essentially be charging us twice. Do, do you pay the for the day pass? You don't. It's for free. Okay. So the, the only thing I will say, though, and I have been caught like this, is that at 8 o'clock on the dot, you have got to be at the booth. Mm. I was in the line waiting to get to the booth at 8 o'clock. At one minute past 8, I got there, and they said, no, they can't help me, which I found ridiculous because they said it's the system. So it was – So if, but, yeah, you don't want to be up there at 8 o'clock at night. Mm. Um, I'm talking summertime, wintertime. It's been pitch dark for quite, mm. <laughs> quite some time at that point, and you, I think it would be quite alarming. But they, I think at 9 o'clock, they, they close it down. Mm. The day pass, they don't allow – You've mentioned um, narrow pathways, some steep ledges. You've mentioned some what sounds like very beautiful waterfalls. Um, I, I guess this isn't a, really a, a path you should be taking on yourself, especially if someone is listening to this right now, going to do some research and then deciding, oh, this weekend I want to go. Should you yeah. be going with someone who, who knows what absolutely. they're doing there? Yeah, absolutely, because there is one section where it either goes down to the bottom of Blackburn or you climb up there's a little ladder that you've got to climb up and you've got to get up to a little bit of higher your sort of next contour you've got to get up to mm. to continue the walk all the way to the manganese mines the, these contour paths and if we're looking at the one in um, Newlands in, in Newlands yeah. are these sort of pre-designed with the, with hiking in mind, if you could maybe give yeah. some of the history of you know how this all came about I know previously I asked you when we went on our hike who decides on a path? Who decides yeah. that this is the route that we're going to take to get to that destination up there? Look, I think a path is always the path of least resistance. Mm. <laughs> the, <laughs> People the closest, who make these, the these closest paths. route between A and B is yeah. a straight line. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes the straight line is not going to work because you've got a cliff face in the way and you've got to zigzag <laughs> it. And, but it's the path of least resistance, the one that, that you've got to... And I, I wish they would do that with a lion's head and find a path of least resistance <laughs> <laughs> without those chains because they do cause quite an issue. You spoke about that, um, the beautiful waterfalls, and we're going to be getting in a cold front that's coming in. You're saying that winter is probably a nice time to go there. Obviously, Absolutely. you have to, to uh, take balance it out and look at the elements. So maybe just after a cold front, after a rain spot? Just after a cold front um, is, is always a good time. You know, when you've got a nice clear day just after the cold front, it's... Definitely the time to go. I think if you wait for two, three, four days afterwards, it's you, those waterfalls, because the terrain is so sheer, mm. the water runs off too quickly. So three, four days later, it's gone. Mm. You've lost that. You'll still have water running, but it won't be as spectacular. Um, I've, I was actually got a video this morning, like a reminder um, of, a, of a video that I had last year on this exact route. And I took it with that in mind of walking on the on that path to go and f search for waterfalls and it was it didn't disappoint at all uh, chapman speak also has a bit of a reputation with uh with rock falls is, is that it a does. danger it, it, it look it is a danger on the nordic side i wouldn't say so much on the chapman's peak mm. side although rocks have been known to to fall 
on the Chapman's Peak mm-hmm. side, or on the on the Hart Bay side, but where we go, where the, where that route is, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's it's more the steeper, heavy ground, the sort of sheer rock mm-hmm. face on the on the sort of Nordic side where those rock falls happen. What, what would you do in a in a situation like that? And firstly, what do you what do you experience? Is it a, That's a great, is, great is, it, is it is it a rumble first? Is it? Uh, I tell you what, when a rock comes flying down at me, I'll let you know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know if, if I survive it I'll let you know what I do I'll probably scream like a little girl And run like hell <laughs> no, I, I just really like to know But what sort of evasive action Do you stand closer to, to the yeah. mountain face Do you try and get out of the way Not knowing where this bowl is going to bounce Yeah exactly That's the, the I think that's the worst part about it is You don't know what route that, that rock is going to take So uh, we did a rescue last year Where I saw the one guy going down and he dislodged a rock and it started falling and the other rescuer was below probably oh, wow. about 50 meters below and I just started screaming at the top of my I was on the road screaming down to him just going like rock and the first thing he did he just pulled himself right into the mountain and there's nothing else he could do because it was surrounded by cliffs and he was on a rope so the rock went straight over his head mm. um, but he sort of hugged the mountain like he loved it desperately and <laughs> And survived the, the, the rock. I, I promise you, if the rock had, had hit him, we would have yeah. had a different outcome. Just finally, on to close this chapter on on the, on the uh, Chapman's Peak Contour Path. What would be the best time to uh, to do this during the day? Because, as you said, there's there's quite a bit of a climb uh, onto to get to the path. Obviously, you don't want to exhaust yourself. Uh, yeah. That part of of the world is uh, pretty dry. I know that it's quite. Despite you being quite close to the ocean, it gets quite hot there as well. So, when should you be starting this particular? Like? Look in. Winter time, I would say probably at nine o'clock you can quite safely start without having to to worry about. It. And especially if you're going after cold front, it's probably going to be overcast or it's mm. going to be cold. So you don't want to start too early because at the moment, I mean, our temperatures are sort of anywhere between five and nine degrees at the moment. So yeah, you you definitely can start much later in winter than you than summertime. Summertime because it the, the sun is rising up above those mountains. You basically want to be up and do the heavy stuff first before the sun sun hits. So you mm. want to try and do it in the shade. So and because the side the of the o'clock. world, um, what time would the sun get over there? Because you basically on one side it's mountain. So if the sun is rising, it's coming from the east. Does it take some time to get you know all the way that side of of, of Hout Bay? It does, but you must remember in summertime the sun. Rises a lot earlier and it, mm. and it sort of reaches over a lot, fur, it, it sort of heads further north if you can, you know, so we, the, the angles are totally different. The time that that mm. sun hits us slopes in summer is very, very different. So yeah, earlier start in summer, definitely. Mm. Um, you, yeah. Once you're on the level and you're on the down, the sun's not too bad. Um, but you don't want to do it when you, you, you don't want to leave it at 11 o'clock in the morning mm. in the middle of summer. Because you're gonna that that uphill is gonna be twice as as hard as it normally is. And of course, you can always go have a, a lovely lunch at the Fish on the Rocks. Oh, yes. Fish on the Rocks when you're done, uh, you'll be at the uh, Vancouver Film Festival. I will. Yes, I, I, I'm um, looking forward to you t- talking to us about uh, about that. So I've actually asked them; they invited me, and I've actually asked them to come onto the show as well. So we'll have them hopefully next week. We'll have them in and find out what they're doing because they then have the release the next week, which is great timing. Mm, excellent. As always, if people want to get in touch with you to, to book a hike, to maybe uh, let uh, Tim take you out on a bit of a, a guided walk somewhere around the city, how can they get hold of you? 
So they can get me on email, which is Tim at Cape Town Hiking. Facebook, they can get me on Cape Town Hiking with Tim Lundy. Twitter is at Cape Town Hiking. And, um, and Instagram is Cape Town Hiking. Excellent. Tim, Thank you. we'll be back with you next week. Cheers. At High Tech, they're driven by the belief that the outdoors is for everyone, no matter who you are or where you are from. You deserve to experience what the outdoors has to offer. In a world where we spend 90% of our lives indoors, they're here to give people the freedom to explore a little further and enjoy the moments that unfold. Each season, High Tech evolves their design and technologies, all with a single purpose in mind, to get the world outside. Tonight with Lester on Cape Talk. And that's our show for the week. I hope you can enjoy your weekend. We'll be back in studio with you on Sunday from 9 till 11 p.m. on Sunday night. And then from Monday, 